I know a lot of you know I, uh, I like to scuba dive. Um, I, I've had a love for the water, I think, ever since living in, in the Florida Keys. Um, there's just something special about the ocean. And uh, I remember when I was little, we were living down there. Dad was in the service, and uh, we were actually on Stock Island. But uh, I remember watching TV with my brother, and we saw a new cartoon for the first time, Aquaman. How many of you remember that? Oh, man, king of the seven seas. And Aquaman was this amazing individual. He could swim at the speed of sound. He had supernatural strength. Uh, He was able to talk to sea creatures, which I found interesting. He was able to talk to dolphins and whales, sharks and squid. And one of his abilities was he could dehydrate himself and live on land as a guy, a teenager actually by the name of Arthur Curry. And my brother and I, Every week when that show was on, we would sit on the edge of our seat. I mean, as Aquaman took on like illegal cargo trade or a spy sub or a destroyer that was carrying nuclear missiles. Um, And he discovered these cities every once in a while that were underwater cities with kings that were, uh, they were bent on like world domination. And so from that very first episode, we were hooked And, and never missed. We never missed one. And the fact is, how could you? I mean, great plot lines like they had, you know, and and great dialogue, things like, you know, great guppies, Aquaman, you know, (laughs) suffering swordfish, and, you know, those those types of uh, lines are worth a million. But I watched that show, and I wanted to be Aquaman. And we actually set out to become Aquaman, You know, every day after school for months, uh, we would head down to the shrimp docks that were behind our trailer, and a buddy of mine by the name of Keith, he would bring air tanks and regulators. That's the piece you breathe with. And uh, there were about four or five of us. We'd take turns diving in off the dock, and then we took the boat out, and we'd go out a little deeper, and uh, we would do all this crazy, crazy stuff. We'd swim underwater. We would fight underwater. You know, we would uh, rescue stuff that we had thrown in, you know, and you had so many seconds to to stop it or it was going to explode kind of a thing. And I wouldn't recommend this, but we had spear guns. (laughs) And we would chase, like, uh, nuclear-infected barracuda and things like that. Pretty much saved the world, I figure. And uh, it was just, we had a lot of fun with that. But from that very first introduction to the deep waters of the Atlantic. I've been fascinated ever since. And I just have this deep, deep love for for the ocean. And um, I I am convinced if when you're underwater, uh, there's nothing quite like it. I mean, it's an experience that if few people ever get to see. uh, And, I mean, you might read about it, You know, see pictures in National Geographic or maybe watch the uh, Nature Channel. And the fact is, most, when it comes to the underwater world, they kind of experience it secondhand. And here's what I want to suggest is sometimes you just have to dive. You just have to dive. And the next few weeks, that's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about faith and diving in to our faith. Because like the water, I think that a lot of us don't experience faith at the level that God intended. That uh, 
I'm hoping through this to invite you into some deeper waters. And I hope through this series that some of you decide, you know what, I'm going to get off the dock, I'm going to get out of the boat, and I'm going to dive. I'm going to take a step of faith. And that when we do that, when we dive, we get to experience the very best that God has to offer us, that this Christian life has to offer. And today what I want to do is just look at faith and how it impacts our our future. You know, there's something about faith, I think, that we get a little apprehensive, that it it unnerves us. Uh, The fact is there's this element of fear. True? I mean, you know, what are we afraid of? What are we afraid of? Well, I think uh, one of the reasons we fear the future is because we don't know what's going to happen. I mean, it's unknown. It's unchartered. Uh, Even our our best educated guess is that. It's a guess. And I find it amazing because we can send messages around the world. You can send a package to Japan overnight. We send people to the moon. Now they're talking about maybe sending uh, people to Mars. You can pretty fairly uh, accurately predict what the weather is going to be. I, I realize that may be up for grabs. But, you know, it's amazing what they can do. But with all of the advancements we have, we still can't see the future. And I think that bothers us. And I think another thing about the future is it's uncontrollable. I mean, we try, right? You know how we try and control the future. Worrying, fretting, sweating, you know, and we think somehow, it, but it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Focusing on fears doesn't work. And so what I want to do is get God's perspective on the future. See what the Bible has to say. All right? So let's dive in. God knows everything about the future. You've got to keep that in, in, kind of download that. And remember, God knows everything. It says, nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before his eyes. God can see it all. God, God's not limited by time. In other words, God can be, and this is hard to get your mind around, but God can be in the past, he can be in the present, and he can be in the future, and he can see it all at once. See every bit of it. That's mind-boggling to me. But it's kind of like, how many of you like going to parades? You know, you can tell the people that are serious about parades because they start staking out their, their space, you know, ahead of time. And no matter how good you are at getting a great point in the parade, you know, this is a great spot. At some point, you get to see the rear end of the horses, right? And that's how life is sometimes. I mean, no matter how good your space is, sometimes life You just wonder how you got here. And the fact is, if you could go up in the Goodyear blimp and look down on the parade, what do you you see then? You can see the beginning of the parade. You can see the middle of the parade. You can see the end of the parade. And you can see it all at once. And I want to suggest that's kind of a finite way to understand God's incredible view. That as God looks down from heaven, he's able to see it all. There's nothing hidden. He knows everything. You know why? Because he's already there. That means God's never surprised by anything. You know, I don't think God's sitting up on the throne and he looks down and goes, Wow, didn't see that one coming. Woo! 
Unbelievable. That one caught me off guard. What, what just happened there? That's, God always knows. Psalms 139 says, The days allotted to me have already been recorded in your book before any of them ever began. It means the moment, the moment that we were conceived, God knew. God knew right then how many days we would live. He, he knows it all. He knows everything. And get this, God has a plan for that future that we have. God has a plan. God has a plan. Not only does God know everything, but he has a plan for your life and mine. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord's. Read this with me. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Let that sink in a little bit. I mean, God has plans for you. What? What kind of plans? To prosper? Plans to give you hope? To give you a future? And in other words, God has done a lot of thinking about your future and mine. In fact, I would suggest to you, God's thought more about your future than you've thought about your future. I mean, a lot more. God has a plan, and not just a plan. He has a great plan for your life. So can you miss God's plan? You bet you can. I mean, people do it all the time. Millions of people completely miss God's plan for their life. How do they do it? Well, I think people do it by apathy. They just let life go by. I think sometimes arrogance in our life. Sometimes it's boxing God out. You know, the mentality that says, you know what, God? I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do my own thing. Yeah, I know that's what, but this is what I want. And see, I can choose to follow my own plan instead of God's plan. And I always find it amazing as we chase our stuff versus God's, we wonder why things never quite click. You know, why they never quite work out. Why it comes up short. And the fact is, God has an excellent plan, but it's a choice. You have to make a choice in your life. You've got to decide if you're going to team up with God, if you're going to cooperate with God, or if you're going to miss the very reason you may have been created for. And get this, God will help you. God will help you every step of the way with your future. You know, Hebrews 13.5 says, God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Jesus said that too. None of us, none of us knows what's going to happen next year. Do we? Really? We don't even know what's going to happen next month. In fact, I would argue we don't know even about tomorrow when it gets right down to it. Regardless of what happens, though, what I know is that God's with us. God promises to be there. God says, you know what? I'm with you. I'll always be with you. I've always been with you. You're never going to go through anything in your life alone. God says, I'm faithful. I am faithful to that. You know, Psalms 34, the psalmist writes, it says, I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. I don't know what fears you have, but here's what I know. Whatever they are, God can deal with them. How? How how does God deal with those? Now, I'm going to give you a short answer today. Next week, I'm going to get into a lot more detail. But how, how do you deal with your fears? By seeking God. 
I sought the Lord, Scripture says. I didn't seek therapy. I didn't seek some new technique. I sought the Lord, and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. When fear kicks in, the secret here, just in a nutshell, is seek God. Get closer to God. Build this relationship with God. And once you understand what God's really like, see, that's what happens as you get to know him, your fears begin to dissipate. Notice I didn't say they're just gone, but they dissipate. You don't have to let fears rule in your life. You know, God promises he'll be with you, and God promises to keep his promises. You know, Psalms 145 says the Lord is faithful to all his promises, to everything. You know, there are over 7,000 promises in the Bible. 7,000 of them. That's a lot of promises. And God keeps every one. And I think, and this is just thought process here, but it is easier to face the future when I know those promises. It's kind of like a blank check. You know, if God was to give you a blank check and say, you know what? When you want, just fill it out. It's, it's waiting to be filled out. God says, if you just trust me, if you just trust me, I'll do this in your life. And when you start believing God and believing his promises, again, you watch your fears begin to evaporate. And so I want to look at a few of those promises. You know, God says that I can depend on him to guide me when I'm confused. The future is full of confusion, full of questions. You know, anybody ever get confused about what to do, where to go, what, what should be happening? I mean, you know, what's going to happen? How, how will things change? You know, how will I deal with it? What problems am I going to face? What if, ooh, that's a tough one. What if that happens? What if this doesn't happen? And it it tends to paralyze us. That fear, it it gets in our head. And there's one thing you can count on in the future. You're going to have to make decisions. You're going to have to make decisions. And I know, as I say that, some of you, you hate making decisions. And the reason why is because you're afraid you're going to make the wrong decision. The future means new challenges, new obstacles, new decisions. In other words, you're going to be in these situations when, when you're confused. And what you need more than anything in your confusion is perspective. You need a big picture. You need someone that sees it all. And friends, I want to suggest God's got you covered on that one. You know, it's like driving up a, a mountain and you get on those curvy mountain roads and you get behind someone that's like in one of those giant campers, you know, you know what I'm talking about, a house on wheels, got the bumper sticker, I'm spending all my kids' inheritance on the back, and they're usually going about two mile an hour up the mountain. For those of us that are a little antsy and a little impatient, we're sitting there, and we're behind this guy, and, and they're swerving every once in a while because they forget they're driving, they're sightseeing, and, you know... Anyway, when you're sitting behind that individual, it's probably a woman driving, right? Uh, Whoa. Whoa. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) No, it's usually a guy, unfortunately. All I can think about when I get behind 
is I want to get to the top and I want to get around them. And I think it would be really cool if you could like jump on your cell phone and get some satellite assistance. You're clear. No cars coming. Go around him. Go, go, go. Yeah. You better wait. There's a string of cars coming. That's perspective. And God has a perspective on your life. You know, since God already knows what's going to happen, you can make that call to God when you're confused and say, you know, God, is this a good decision? Is this a smart decision? Or is this a dumb one? You know, God, I I can't see down the road here. Should I do this or do this? And God says, you know what? I've got a good perspective. That's a good decision. Or he might say, are you kidding me? No way, don't do that. If you do that, you're going to crack up. It's not going to work out. In other words, you can trust God in those moments when you're confused, when you're not sure which way's up. And let's be upfront: life's complicated. Sometimes it's, you look at life and it's difficult. You know, it's, there's no easy answers. There, there's no solution that's just clear cut. But God says, you know what, I can guide you. I can guide you when you're not sure which way to go. I can guide you when you're struggling, when you're confused. And in other words, God is absolutely 100% faithful to that. The psalmist writes in Psalms 3, says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Never rely on what you think you know. Remember the Lord is everything in everything you do. And he will show you the right way. I love that scripture. It's a deep promise. God says, you know, seek me, seek me. The issue, see, is this. When it comes to decisions that impact your life, that have the potential to either move you forward or knock you down, who are you going to look to? I mean, who are you going to look to for advice? Who are you going to look to when you're confused? Who's going to be your authority? You know, we've talked a lot about you have options at this point. Parents, friends, you know, a book. The news, your horoscope, you could go Vegas, you know what that is, right? Get the coin out, flip, heads or tails. That doesn't work, by the way. But some people, that's how how we live. I mean, it's awfully risky, but there is one sure-fired way, one reliable way to live life, and that's with God. You know, God already knows. God's already there. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. The hard part, never rely on what I think I know, but remembering the Lord in everything you do. And he, he will take care of you. He'll show you the right way. I mean, how do you, how do, you do that? How do you trust in God? You know, how do, how do you get that guidance when you're confused? We've talked a lot around here about, you know, spending time in God's word, spending time in prayer. And prayer being two-way, you know, talk to God. Tell him what's on your heart and then listen to God. It's two-way communication. In other words, as you're doing that, you'll find that fear doesn't rule in your life. That God's going to be with you. That God's going to guide you every single step of the way. And get this, you can also depend on God to assist you when you're tempted. The, The future, as it changes... There's one thing that doesn't change. You're going to face the same junk you've always faced. Same temptations, 
same problems, the same struggles. You you face it over and over again. You've always faced this stuff. And you know why it doesn't change? Because the evil one's got your number. The evil one knows your hot buttons. He knows your weaknesses. You know, I always find it interesting, new, new Christians excited about their faith and things are cruising and they're growing in their relationship with God. And at some point, though, they face temptation and sometimes they just freak out at that point. You know, I'll get calls or they'll stop me and they'll go, you know, I don't know what's wrong with me. You know, I, I must really be a bad person because I'm being tempted. And for some reason, we think that when we become a Christian, that we won't be tempted. And I just want to say that's not true. It's not true. You will never outgrow temptation. In fact, I believe that when you're seeking God and when there is a passion to be what God wants you to be, that that's when the evil one even works harder in your life to tempt you. He hopes that he can trip you up, that he can mess you up. And he'll start playing the intimidation game, the mind game with you, the what-if game. And he'll take you backwards. He'll get you so worried about your future that what you do is you begin to focus on your past. And I think the evil one gets in your head and he says things like, you know how you've been. This isn't going to work, you know. You always mess up, man. You always fall short. And he starts playing this deep, little, dark game with us. And what happens is it triggers in our mind, and we start doing the what if. What if I fall on my face again? What if I go back to my old ways? You know, what if I return to my destructive patterns? And God says, you know what? Don't worry. I'm faithful, I'll assist you when you're tempted. I'll be in the midst of that. You know, 1 Corinthians 13, it says, no temptation is irresistible. You know, when when people, sometimes they'll say, well, I just couldn't help myself. They're lying to themselves. Because God says, you know what? I'm I'm there in the middle of that. You know, you, you can trust God to keep the temptation from being so strong that you can't stand up against it. For he has promised this, and he will do what he says. He will show you how to escape. See, you don't have to fear failing. You don't have to fear falling again. If you're walking with God, and you put God front and center, God knows exactly what you're struggling with today. That God is pulling for you. He's cheering for you. He is preparing an escape route for you. So don't let the evil one mess with your mind and intimidate you. See, it's not sin to be tempted. Hear that. It's not sin to be tempted. Hebrews 4.15, it says, Jesus was tempted in every way, just like us. But it says he didn't sin. It's not sin till you give in. You know, God says, I'll be with you. You can trust me. I'll assist you when when you're tempted in life. God says, there's something else you can depend on. And that is, I'll support you when you're overwhelmed. Don't raise your hand, but anybody overwhelmed today? I mean, life can be overwhelming. Situations can be overwhelming. They, They can take you downstream in a heartbeat. You know, you can be the smartest person on the planet. And the fact is, get this, you have no idea what's going to happen in the next hour. Don't get panicked. I don't have anything planned, but uh, 
You know, seriously, we have no idea what's going to happen in the next hour, much less next week or next year. We have no clue. In fact, in a church this size, law of averages, some of us, this next year, will get sick. Some of us will battle disease. Some of us will lose a loved one. Some of us will lose a job. Someone will have an accident. Someone will watch their kids go south. I mean, on and on the list can go. I mean, what do you do? Panic? Lock the door and live in fear the rest of your life? I want to suggest you got to trust God. You know, God says when you're overwhelmed... He'll help you. He'll step in. He'll he'll make a difference. Isaiah 43, 2 and 3 says, When you go through deep waters and great trouble, he says, I'll be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fires of oppression, you will not be burned up, for I am the Lord your God. There's a lot of hope in that. You know, God's faithful. God will never allow you to drown. God will be with you no matter how deep the water gets, no matter how fast that current gets. He'll see you through. You know, I've shared before, there are 365 fear not passages in Scripture. I don't think that's an accident. I think it was God says, you know what, I'll give you something for every day of the year. You know, you don't have to fear that God will help you. God will give you strength. Now get this, and this is where I think we get messed up. God's not going to give you enough strength for next year. He's going to give you enough strength for this moment, moment by moment, as you need it. You know, Matthew 6, 34, it says, Don't worry about tomorrow, for each day has enough troubles of its own. Jesus said, you know what? You don't have to worry about tomorrow. Fortunately, the future doesn't come all at once. It comes in these nice, bite-sized, 24-hour, airtight containers called days. And God says, you know what? Handle a day at a time. Handle a day at a time. God says, when you're overwhelmed, I promise you, I'll give you strength. I promise that I won't let you drown. I promise I'll give you the strength that you need when you need it. Not ahead, when you need it. One of my favorite stories in scriptures out of Joshua 3 Children of Israel have fled from uh, slavery in Egypt. And they've been wandering around in the desert, the Sinai Desert, for almost 40 years. That's a whole nother message sometime. But Joshua, Joshua is leading the people of Israel. Moses had just recently died. He had been their leader. And God comes to Joshua and he says, Today, Joshua, we're going to the promised land. They've been waiting 40 years for this. There's just one big problem, and that is that the Jordan is at flood stage. No bridge, no boat, no motor car, not a single luxury. If people are like 20, tell them what we're talking about later, okay? But that says no problem. And he tells Joshua, he says, Joshua, I want you to organize the people. I want you to put them in rows. I want you to put the priests at the front of the line. And I want you to carry the Ark of the Covenant. Now, the Ark of the Covenant was a physical, it was symbolic of God's presence with them. He says, 
And what I want you to do is start marching toward the water. And I want you to imagine if you had been in the front of that. You know, if you've been watching the news, some of the floods, it's just awful. And so they're going toward this churning, swirling water. Now, I'll be honest, if I'd have been in the front, and I would have been because they said priests, and so that would have meant, here I go. I would have, like, hey, I'm not in a hurry. Go ahead. Go ahead. (laughs) Ushers first. (laughs) Hey, band, go ahead. Go ahead. (laughs) Women and children. I think it must have been overwhelming. But God says, I'll take care of you. God promises he's going to intervene. But the, but the problem was, he didn't tell them exactly when. He, just, he gave them some instructions, and he said, you gotta, you're going to have to get in the water a little bit here. In fact, Joshua 3.13, given an explanation to him, he says, when the soles of the feet of the priests who bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, rests in the water of the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan from above shall be cut off. God says, you know what? When your feet are in the water, then I'll intervene. He didn't let them drown. And as they were walking, I believe God gave them strength as they took each step. And it wasn't until they were ankle deep. And trust me, rushing waters, ankle deep, you can go down in a heartbeat. And I got to guess, when the waters finally stopped, Someone probably was like, okay, finally. About time, God. I'm going to guess there were a few sweats, fears. Friends, you can count on God when you're overwhelmed. And you can depend on God to get this, to reward you when you're faithful. If... When I do what God wants me to do, when I do the right thing, when I, may, when I do the godly thing, it is not always the easy thing. But when I dive in and go God's way, it's not overlooked. You can count on God. At some point, God will reward you. Maybe not in this life, but he will reward you at some time and at some point. And I think we doubt this. And I hear it a lot of different ways. I mean, it's kind of, why be good? You know, no one really cares. You know, why have godly ethics? I mean, the rest of the world, they they don't play fair. You know, people say it different ways. You know, I do so much for my spouse and kids. They don't even notice. They don't appreciate it. You know, I try to be a conscientious worker, a productive person in, in my vocation. But my boss, I mean... He could care less. She doesn't appreciate what I do. They, they don't notice me. And it comes out in all these forms. And here's what I want to tell you, Christians. Nobody may ever notice. Nobody. But God does. God does. Hebrews 6.10 says, God is not unfair. He will not forget all that you have done. Matthew, Jesus says, then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. 
When nobody else notices, God does. God knows the times that you bit your tongue and you had a lot to say. You know, God knows the times you sacrificed. God knows the extra effort you give at work or you're in your vocation. God knows every act of character and conviction and courage. God knows when you gave away money, when you helped someone, when you stepped in. It has all been observed in living color by a God that's greater than anything else. Every conversation, every activity, God was present. And I think God was looking down and he goes, I saw that. I'll remember that. I'll reward that. Way to go. Amazing. It's not in vain. God celebrates when you're faithful. Let me ask you, what are you going to do with your future? What are you going to do with your future? No matter how many days you may have left. Here's what I want to suggest. That you stop worrying about the future. And start focusing on being used by God. Because that's what's going to be rewarded in the long haul. Allowing God to use you in a significant way. And when it comes to the future, you can depend on God. God will guide you. God will guide you when you're confused. God will assist you when you're tempted. He'll support you when you're overwhelmed. And ultimately, he'll reward you when you're faithful. And I think knowing that makes all the difference in living. Makes all the difference in the world. It really boils down to, to this. As you dive into the future, who are you going to trust? Do you trust God? Because I believe if we believe that, if we believe God will do what he says he'll do, then fear doesn't rule. If, on the other hand, we're not sure about it, not sure if God's going to follow through, then fear is going to be an issue and it's going to cloud our judgment and it'll jam us up. But it's a choice. It's a choice. And it's a choice between me and my fears or faith in God. My fears or God's and being faithful. Who am I going to trust? Philippians 4, 13 says... For I can do everything through Christ who strengthens me, Paul says. I like what the Amplified Version says. It says this, I have the strength for all things in Christ who empowers me. I'm ready for anything and equal to anything through him who infuses inner strength into me. Wow. It doesn't say that you won't have fears. It doesn't say you're not going to have moments where you panic or you have doubts. In fact, it doesn't say anything about fear, does it? It just says Christ will infuse you with the power you need to do the right thing if you trust him. That power is all you need to overcome the fears in the future. It's available. It's available every moment. In fact, it's available right now. But you've got to catch this. It's not automatic. And I, I, I've thought about this. I know as many believers that are defeated by the fear of the future as I know unbelievers that are defeated by the fear of the future. It's not automatic because you're a believer. In fact, you've got to do three things. One, admit, admit it. Admit that I'm afraid. You know, God, I don't know what's going to happen. I might have struggles. I may, might face problems. 
I might lose a job or get sick or I may get the wheels knocked out from under me. You know, the economy may go bust, whatever. I might fall. God, I'm afraid and I'm scared. And just admit it, just own it. And then ask God to infuse you with his power and strength. God, be strong where I'm weak. I'm not dependent on myself. I'm not strong enough to face whatever it is I'm facing. But I'm dependent on you to face the future. And then the third thing, you just got to dive in. Dive in. Face the future with faith. Do the right thing. Take one step at a time. Face one day at a time. God's not going to give you, again, he's not going to give you enough strength for the entire year. He's going to go, here, there's enough for the year. No, he's going to give you enough strength for today. For today. Right now. He'll give you strength tomorrow when it gets here. Psalms 34.4. I sought the Lord, and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. That's an incredible God.